Welcome to the Awakened Anesthetist Podcast. I'm your host, Mary Roberts. I'm a certified anesthesiologist assistant living and working outside of Kansas City, Missouri. I created this podcast to give CAAs across the nation a place to come together and awaken to our profession's unique ability to create a life by design rather than default. That process can start by simply listening and engaging with this podcast. By doing so, you're already changing what's possible for CAAs, for you, for me, for all of us. I'm so thankful you're here. Let's jump into this episode and see what we can do together. Hello, and welcome back to The Awakened Anesthetist. I am really happy to be back behind the mic. I'm actually on an extended vacation and recording this looking out at the Gulf of Mexico, escaping Missouri during the dead of winter, which is our February, has always been a dream of mine. My mood and my happiness level just dips so dramatically in February that about three years ago, I realized that I'm an adult and I own a car and our profession, one of the many beautiful things about it is it allows for a substantial amount of vacation. And so I just set it as a goal that I wanted to not be in Missouri in February and three years later and a lot of changes in my lifestyle and about three employers later, I am now uh, in Panama City looking out at the Gulf of Mexico and doing that thing that I wanted to do. So for multiple reasons, I am very happy to be here with you today. This episode is going to be about deep listening, what deep listening is, what deep listening can offer to you personally as an anesthesia provider, and I think probably most importantly, what deep listening can offer to us as a profession as a whole. This is part of the educational content that I produce and use for my understanding substance use disorder in our profession, in the CAA profession that I teach at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. And that course is scheduled to start in March. And so I am gearing up, taking some of this time while I'm on this vacation in beautiful Panama City to do some deep work, some focus work without my husband or my kids here. And then they're going to be coming down in about two or three days. And we're going to spend about two weeks together as a family. And then we're all going to go back to Missouri and hopefully have missed all of the terrible weather. So if you are one of my anesthesia students, welcome. You've been assigned this podcast. And if you are a CAA who has found this podcast through your own channels or it's been shared to you, a special welcome. I think there are not enough people talking specifically to CAAs, and I feel a deep passion to be one of those people who is looking out at our profession and empowering us to live our best lives, to create a life by design, as I call it, and then to also be a voice to educate our profession on its risks and our susceptibility to substance use. And so this all is important to me. And when I ask myself, what can I do? Like, really, what could I change? This deep listening keeps coming up. And I'm about to share what deep listening is, but if you are one of my students, we will be practicing deep listening in all five of the parts of the 
substance use course that I teach. And so you are going to get some good practice. And this conversation hopefully will just be laying the groundwork for what deep listening is because it is a little bit different form of listening. And if you are not a student, these are principles that you can start using in your own life. You could start your own deep listening groups. Certainly, if you want more information, email me at awakenedanesthetist at gmail.com. I always say if you're in the anesthesia world, you know how to spell all that. It's a good screening method. And I want to offer that this deep listening is so important because I think the bigger picture is that connection is the most valuable asset that we can create within our profession to create strength and stability. The old saying that you are better in numbers than alone is true, I think, for our profession and Moving forward, the stronger each individual can be in connection with other CAAs and, of course, with themselves, which is an extremely important connection. The first thing I want to have you, the listener, think about is a time in your life when you felt really, truly heard. A time in your life where you feel like someone just got you or saw you or just knew you deeply. Just see if you can recall that. I can remember two specific instances. The first was a time when I first saw myself. So that kind of meta idea of understanding who you are and what you truly want. I just didn't have a great sense of that when I was younger Um, through my teenage years probably. And I remember when I was 21 and I had the deep desire to stop playing basketball. I was about to start my senior year of college and I just couldn't do it. I didn't want to do it anymore. It wasn't who I was. And it was the first time I had that thought and I thought, yep, that's what I want. That's who I am. I am no longer Mary Jean, who plays basketball, I am this other thing. And really all I knew is that I didn't want to play. But it was the first time that I really heard myself and chose myself and decided to not abandon myself. And the other time that I can remember being deeply, deeply listened to was the first time that I went to therapy. I was in my mid-30s. Right now I am 37 And so this was not that long ago. I finally took some of my burdens to a therapist. And the first time I laid some of my inner demons out before her, the thing that I remember is that she did nothing. There was no big reaction. I thought my scary, big, huge thing was going to lay some sort of big emotion on her. And she just held it. And she was so gracious and generous. I think she maybe offered a few words, but it was really her non-reaction and just holding space for me to share my burden was a huge turning point in my understanding of what it means to be truly listened to and truly seen. So I wonder if you have any instances and if you can contrast potentially what those instances of being deeply listened to felt like in comparison to 
potentially the little conversations that we have in the operating room or between cases when people are exchanging pleasantries and niceties, but not really caring or listening. I think there's a big difference between those two forms of listening. And certainly there has been a lot of research done into active listening versus passive listening. And the American Medical Association even has some CME, which is some educational training that you need to maintain your license on empathetic listening, which is something that is similar, but not quite what I'm talking about here. But I think it points to the fact that listening is an extremely powerful way to connect with another human being. And at our core, in our evolution, we are pack animals that are looking to belong and know that we are going to die if we're on the savanna alone. But if we're in a group, we can survive for longer. And so that deep desire to attach to other human beings and to form groups and to be seen and heard and known is such a deep human desire. We just cannot ignore it. And in my research for substance use disorder and the prevalence in the anesthesia profession at large, something that keeps coming up in my research is the fact that disconnection, not having connection, feeling isolated and separated is a risk factor and susceptibility to form a substance use disorder. There is a parallel in the research in a increase in disconnection, in loneliness, in isolation across the world, and also specifically in the microcosm that is medicine, particularly right now during COVID. But this disconnection, this isolation has always been true, and it's always been a real threat for us as anesthesia providers for all the myriad of ways that we are isolated be it in school, when we are traveling for our rotations away from our family and friends, or just having traveled to a different state to go to a school because maybe there wasn't one in your area. There is the feeling that you have to sacrifice your free time and your family time so that you can study as long and as much as possible. And there are just some intrinsic isolating tendencies within our profession that accumulate and become one of our risk factors for our increased susceptibility to substance use disorders. Deep listening is a way to combat that susceptibility. Deep listening is the feeling that you may have experienced when someone holds space for you, listens to you, and then doesn't respond with, their opinion, or trying to fix you, or trying to tell you about their latest resource on what you should do next, but they're just there and listening and just allowing you to be present and not judging. Deep listening has three components. Holding space, which is when you allow someone to speak without being spoken over or being interrupted. And it is the agreement that there will be this space between two people to be listened to. It's holding still, so not 
thinking in your brain if you're the one who is listening about how you're going to respond or what you're going to say or how it makes you feel, but just to be there and to let the person's words enter your ears and be received by you. And then there is a third part of deep listening, which is called holding up, which is something that feels a little counterintuitive to everything I just said when you are trying to not be thinking about what you're going to say or how you're going to respond or what opinion you're going to offer. But you are taking in that person's words, you're holding space for them, you're listening to them without judgment. And then after you have shared that space with someone, you can silently to yourself just consider what their words did to you, um, any feelings of gratitude or any images that were provoked by listening to them or any ways you felt connected to that person. Holding up is the third phase of deep listening, and it is the way that you really embed the good that comes with deep listening. So as opposed to having the conversation and flitting through it and then going on to the next time, it is a intentional space that can be used to provide introspection, to create that opportunity to connect with yourself and how you feel about what whatever was said or thoughts that came up or ways that you felt you related to what they said or didn't relate to what they said. If you are in a deep listening group, which I am a part of some deep listening groups, usually there is a sharing moment after an exchange has been had. And in our class students, if you're listening, we will be doing a little holding up exercise after we've listened to each other. But the most important part of deep listening is that the expectation is not that you're going to have some profound statement or something to say after someone shares or after you've listened, but that you allow whatever it is to just be. So there's no expectation, there's no getting it right or getting it wrong or saying the perfect thing. It is just this ability to hold the words that someone has shared with you in trust and in connection. And then this beautiful thing happens that feels really good and is that human connection that we all so desperately crave. I am a believer that connection is the opposite of addiction. And if our profession is going to lower our chances of substance use disorder or lower our propensity to it, we have to start doing active things to decrease the likelihood that we are going to succumb to that disease. And I think deep listening is something that we can all take with us and move forward on and use whether you are in class with me, or whether you're just in your next conversation in the operating room, really pausing and allowing the conversation to be received by you without your brain going a million miles a minute on what you're going to say and how you feel about it. But it's the idea that the expectation of communication has changed and we are not expected to have the right answer or the right thing to say, but we're just expected to hold space for each other. So if you want to practice this now, I am going to give two questions. You can certainly journal these questions, these answers, 
by yourself or if you want to be in communication with another CAA, certainly you can take this to work or to your friend group. And the question that I want to leave you with, if you are a student and you are currently in AA school, I want you to ask yourself, why did I choose to be a CAA? And you can just see what comes up. Remember, no judgment. This is not a right or wrong answer. No one has to see this. You are just trying to meet yourself in this situation if you're alone or if you are in a group and you're asking each other this. You want to take some time, gather your thoughts, find your answer, and then you can go around and share why you went to CAA school and just hold space, hold still, And then after everyone's shared, you can hold up what their words meant to you and anything that it stirred inside of you. If you are a CAA, you can do the same thing. But the question I would like you to answer is, who are you outside your ability to make money? That question has been profound in my own life. And it's a question that I like to ask my students towards the end of the course I teach and before they go out into the world. You can, again, journal that on your own or answer that question in a group, hold space, hold still, and hold each other up. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you have any questions on deep listening, go ahead and email me at awakenedanesthetist at gmail.com. Remember, we deserve to feel good behind the drape. Till next time.